His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and he has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, now you can sit. Um, Two quick announcements. Keep the parable in your head. (laughs) The prayer room, if you don't know that we have a prayer room, it's right behind this wall where the plants are, and you can get there by walking outside and entering the first door on your right. It's open today for an open house, and it is, it's not a prayer room necessarily where a lot of people come to pray at once. It's just for you to take an hour. So many days during our week, there's hourly somebody lifting up requests and praying for this community, praying for the world, praying lots of things. There's lots of ways and prompts that you can use to pray in there. And then also there's a direct line that if you ever have a prayer request, especially if it's something that's confidential, um, it's a a safe place to call there, and there will be people praying for that request often. So know that that's available, and if you'd like to check it out, stick your head in. And also, if you have an hour a week or even an hour a month that you might want to say that you're willing to be there, it's a really sweet place to go. Um, I think I'm going to re-sign up. I did it when I was in high school, and I haven't done it since, but it's just a sweet thing to be forced to go in there and, and be still and be with the Lord and pray however you're led. So I'd encourage you to check it out. And then the pumpkins are coming, and Terry's here to tell us about it. Yay! <laughs> I left it in my chair. (laughs) But if you can give a time, thank you so much. Sure. I, I will read these off because I think it's really cool to know where this money is going. And Terry prepped me on how to do this and said, it's pumpkins with a purpose on your porch. That's the theme. Everybody should have a pumpkin on their porch because um, it supports Asbury United Methodist Church, which is part of us. Um, the Fisher House, Heifer International, the Hope Center, Kairos Prison Ministry, Magdalena House, Meeting the Need, the Texas Burn Survivors Society, Wesley Health, and Wellness Center and Reese Across America. And if you want to know what those are, I'll leave it right here and you can look. Okay, welcome. Um, okay, so we are in this series called Sonship. And it's, we're looking at a transition that we all make. It's really a journey from entering the world, and maybe we have the most loving parents in the world, but imperfect. Or maybe we have parents who are in and out, maybe provided less than a stable foundation for our growing up years, or maybe we had absent parents. But we all enter the world with parents who reflect the Father to us, Father God. And often our image of God is really connected to those early developmental years where we experience the love of a father, the love of a mother, or maybe 
broken love of a mother and father, maybe absent love of a mother and father, and also how we relate to peers, siblings. And so, you know, we, can, we could quote a lot of uh, psychologists, psychiatrists about how formative those early years are, but spiritually speaking, we all enter the world and we all have this part of us that's looking for a safe place and a home. And that is our faith. I mean, it's, it's the gospel. It's that we were born as kids who have a father. That's, that's the truth. We have a father who's loved us. His love actually gave birth to us. In the physical realm, it may not have looked like love, or it might have looked like a passionate love that gave birth to us. But his love created us. He's the creator who creates from love. So his love birthed us, but we're birthed into a world that's less than perfect and often broken, and often we don't feel the reality of that love. And so we're, we're doing this study. It's about 12, 10 or 12 weeks long, and we're in week four of it. And the first two weeks, Michael did a beautiful job of talking about um, Father God, that we do have a father, and that he is good, that he's for us. And that that may sound really simplistic, and that may be something, if you've been in church, you could recite that over and over again. God is love. God is good. Jesus loves me. But the reality is that we often don't live from that place. Often we live from a place where we know that God loves us, but we aren't necessarily living in it in this moment. And so I can find myself responding out of fear. And though I know God loves me, I'm, I, I can start to spin with anxiety, thinking, you know, even being in worship this morning and thinking like, okay, next week this is coming and this is coming. And, and it may seem normal because it's what we're so used to doing, but it's really coming from a place of I've got to hold it all together. And the journey from feeling or living as if we're orphans or maybe slaves is another word that we might use, Two, knowing that we don't just serve a master God, we have a father God who loves us, is, is starting to recognize ways that we might function in the world that are less than healthy or less than full for people who are actually children of God. If we're actually children of God... If, you are, if, if he loves you like you're the only son in the world or you're the only daughter in the world, then I have this whole new place to stand my life in, to live from a place where I'm not fighting to try to get mine in life. I've experienced brokenness. I've experienced hurt. But I'm not trying to fill my life with all these things to make me feel safe. Because I actually am coming from a safe place and I know who my daddy is. So that's, that's maybe ideal, that we're living from that safe place. We're living from the home that is Father God. But the reality is often parts of us are not there yet. Parts of us have not come to the realization that we're safe. That we live as heirs of a kingdom that is full of peace, hope, love. Something, something happens, you know. I mean, tragedy of last week. Somebody, maybe somebody close to us, dies suddenly in an accident. And we encounter all kinds of emotions. Or maybe it's just that everything's going well, and then um, 
we, we, we bump into that person that always rubs us the wrong way and that makes us feel insecure or maybe less than. And we might think it's them, but we really know deep down, like, that's happened before. I've had this feeling of less than or this, this thing that comes up into me that feels insecure. And I'm trying to kind of identify those things, and I'm, I want to put them in light of the parable of um, these are older son behaviors. And uh, just for a little FYI, this is the book that a lot of us are, that we've kind of been, had in the back of our heads as we're talking about this journey of spiritual sonship coming out of places of orphanhood and into the reality that we are sons and daughters of the king. It's called Spiritual Slavery to Spiritual Sonship, and it's written by Jack Frost, and then he also has some talks that you can download and listen to. And then there's other teaching on sonship that's really good. Um, Scott and David have really asked a lot of people who they're leading, and specifically in the pastor's meetings, asked us to to look at this over the last few years. And I remember when he first did, I I was so confused by the language. And so I'm hoping that as we talk today about the parable of the prodigal son, some people call it, the one son who was lost and came home. Other people call it the parable of two sons. We're looking at one who is home and is feeling very lost, one who left home and felt very lost and came home. And then some people call it the parable of three sons. The father, too, is a son, but one who's pretty grounded. Um, So let's take a look at the older son. The younger son has gone and tried to outrun, in a way, his father's love. And whatever he's using to try to make his life whatever he thought it needed to be doesn't work. He runs out really fast and he comes home. That's awesome. But the younger son, I mean, the, the older son is definitely more my life. Uh, the older son I can relate to in the sense of growing up in the church, growing up knowing that I have a, a great father, that I never felt the need to go and, you know, live this crazy life. But I certainly felt... Uh, like less than a son in my relationship with God. I've certainly spent years even feeling really distant from God. And that distance didn't keep me away. That distance had me right here trying harder, you know, okay, I just need to spend a little more time with God or figure this out or just, you know, really get in the right place. And, you know, I know he loves me, but I think deep down for me especially, I always, and I would say this is in high school, I, I very much had this insecurity about my relationship with Father God. It was like, I know he loves me, but I think he's probably just a little disappointed. You know, if, if I saw him, he might, uh, the first, I'm sure he hugged me, but the first thing he might say to me is like, you're not really doing this, or I know about this. And uh, the, the beauty of the older son um, in the prodigal son is that I, I think that maybe he had some of that. He says he's, Slaved for his father. I'm not sure whether his father asked him to do that or not. Uh, I just noticed for the first time when we were reading together uh, that at the beginning when the father gives the inheritance to the son, he gives it to both of them, I think. It says he divided the inheritance between the two. And I had not noticed that till just now. So you've got two sons who both got an inheritance, or at least one was coming to the other one. Um, so I've, I've often in my relationship with God related to him as someone maybe who has inheritance, but it feels like 
I'm, and I, I'm probably putting this on God, that he's probably going to hold on to that because I'm not quite ready for it and I've really messed up and he's going to tell me about it. Um, there's two things I want to just notice about the son. Is he, first of all, is angry. He gets to a point where he's been working so hard, trying so hard to do whatever he thought he needed to do, maybe to get his father's approval, maybe to prove his identity, maybe to show that he really was the son who was being faithful. But he's, he's hit a, a wall when we meet him in the story, and it says he was angry. So the first thing I want to talk about is areas of your life and have you think about this and ask the Holy Spirit about it. Where are areas in my life where if I let myself, I could get angry? And maybe you've tried not to, you know, where you're like, no, 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 and you talk yourself out of it. But maybe a better word than anger, if that's not a thing for you, is um, where have I taken offense? Where do I take offense easily? Because that's what the older son does, right? He's offended at his father's goodness towards the the younger son. So he takes offense. And then he says, um, you know, how could you do this? You start seeing all these expectations that come out. Like he, it's almost like he's had this pent-up thing where he's tried to do it so well and tried to do it so right, and then he just gets to this breaking point, and he's like, here I am, don't you see me? I've been doing this, and you're celebrating him. You never gave me a fattened calf. And, of course, maybe the father's completely surprised that he's thinking this because we're seeing it from the son's perspective. The son's maybe very flat, one-dimensional perspective is, is released, and the, the father says, you've been with me all along, and everything I have is yours. Way more than a fattened calf, way more than a party. Everything I have is yours. So this morning, I'd love for us to just look at ways that we specifically might walk as older sons. And I think we, we live probably in uh, just American society gives us this propensity towards being an older son. You know, we're we're hard workers and we're independent and we and those can be fine and good things. But if we're if they're coming from this place of insecurity, like I must do this so that I will be okay, then we're probably gonna be more in line with the older son and end up in a place where we're saying, I'm really tired and I can't do this anymore and God, your demands are too much for me. When the truth maybe is that he that we have a loving father who's not even asking us those things. So um, I'm just going to read a couple of these from Jack Frost. And in here there's a section where he names 20 different areas that um, older son orphans might spin a little bit. Um, The first one deals with image of God. Orphans see God as a master whom they must appease continually. They feel they must pray more, read the Bible more, or work harder to earn God's notice and favor. They're often left with a feeling that there's something more they must do or put in order before God will be pleased with them. To an orphan, God is not just master, but he's also taskmaster. Orphans are independent and self-reliant. They depend upon their gifts, talents, intellect, and anointing. They're convinced they cannot trust anyone else. If they want anything, they must get it for themselves. They might say, if anything is going to get done right, I'll just have to do it myself. Orphans live by the law excuse me, by the love of law. Like the Pharisee of Jesus' day, orphans try to relate to God on the basis of adherence to laws. 
Um, This is the last one I'll read, but there's a lot more if you're interested. Orphans are insecure, but usually become quite adept at covering their insecurity. They often strive to act right and do enough to please God and earn his blessing. Therefore, they rarely experience an inward peace and rest. Life for an orphan is often filled with uncertainty and fears of trusting, abandonment, and intimacy. So how do we move from that place of, and, and, you know, I think when I say a place of orphanhood or of functioning out of an orphaned place, a lot of times that's maybe just a little part of us. There's other parts of us that feel free, that we have maybe like an older son gone out and realized we don't run, we cannot escape God's love. We may have spit all our money and he's been there and he's run out to greet us so we know his love but then there's other areas where maybe we have a little wound or we have a little uh, place of resentment or a place of um, feeling unseen by the lord or uncared for by him so how do we move from that place to a place of being a son a son who knows that he's well loved by a good father and is secure in his father's provision protection, who trusts the heart of his father. How do we do that? I think the prodigal son gives us a couple really good ideas, and the first is to drop a fence. So in the same way that the older son has taken a fence at his father, we can take a lesson from him and just step back when we see those insecure Things start to go or that when we recognize those areas where we're striving and trying to earn God's approval or try to make things happen in our life rather than trust. So maybe we take a step back. And for me, I'm always picturing things. So what I picture is I, instead of doing this, you know, where I'm like frustrated or not sure, feeling like I have to fight for what's mine. And I just take a step back from it and open my hands. And I think that's a way of releasing and then forgive Drop a fence. So when I think I'm right and I think you're wrong, I'm going to take a step back and say, it doesn't matter. I'm going to let this go, and I'm going to forgive you for the way you hurt me, whether you know you did it or not. So specifically if it's my mom or dad, and I've, they were practically perfect parents, but I've certainly had to do this with them, is say, okay, I forgive you for making me feel this, this, this. And they may have no idea. They might not have ever meant to make me feel that way. But I forgive you and I release you from my judgment because that's what else we see the older son do we see him not only take offense but that offense really quickly puts him right in the judgment seat so i i I relax i take a step back i forgive and that may be that i forgive myself okay casey you don't have to strive and you're not perfect and he didn't ask me to be perfect So maybe it's just that I take a deep breath and relax and release myself from my own judgments. Or maybe I release my dad from judgments that I made coming from a very immature child-like place. And in that, we just receive. I think part of the journey from slavery or from orphanhood to sonship is stepping back being honest about those places that we need to let go, drop a fence, release anger. And part of that is being honest about it. And then stepping into a place where we say, okay, what is the truth? Who are you, God, to me? And to receive what he says back to us. Um, 
I'd love to just give us a minute to do that in whatever way you want. And it, it, it may not connect for you right now about the forgiveness of parents, but just any place in you that you feel like, you know, this is an area that I get uptight about. This is an area where I start thinking like a child. I get a one-dimensional perspective. And, and you, know, you know what I'm talking about. You can feel it sometimes when you start getting anxious. I mean, to me, it just looks like this inside. Um, as the worship team comes back, uh, I'd love to just spend about five or ten minutes in worship and just ask the Holy Spirit, what are the places that he's, he's not asking us to do that? He's asking us to let go. He's asking us to drop a fence and to let him tell us who we are to him. Let him speak over us that, that we are his, his daughters and his sons with whom he's well pleased, just like Jesus. That is the gospel. That Jesus is the son who came and whom he was well pleased so that there could be many sons and daughters who walk as, as people who live in the kingdom. And, and the, that's the last thing I want to say about the older son is he was always at home, but he was not able to receive the love of a safe home because he was consumed with offense. And so I just pray that for us in any part of our lives that we're not able to receive the love of the kingdom of heaven that's right at our hand, the safety that's right at our hand, the Father who is near to us, any place in our life that we're not able to receive that, that he would just gently, because he always does do it gently and patiently, show us that, and that we would not be, that we would take the time and not be afraid to talk about it with him, to release it, and to let him draw near and speak to us. And um, as you guys start to play, I'm going to open us in prayer, and I'm just going to read one psalm over us. It's been on my mind all week long. It's, uh, it's one of those psalms that I grew up hearing so much that it kind of lost some meaning on me. Psalm 139. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as the day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. 
Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. Father, I ask that you would just help us release those places where we feel insecure in your love and remind us that you, you've never left. You've never been far away and you've never left us as orphans. Would you speak really clearly to each one of us in those places that don't know that? We thank you for being our father. We thank you for making us sons and daughters. And we ask you to teach us how to live into that. In Jesus' name, amen.